Welcome to a very mature episode of Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoot Magoo. I'm Jim Jam. And do we need a uh, NSFW warning, Scott, See, <laughs> for, I, our, for our mature the, podcast? <laughs> hand, hand of the Sky, genuinely, did I? the double entendre there occurred to me as soon as I said it. What I meant by that... Adults only. What I meant by that is we're doing our, you know, our latest album anniversaries episode and i think this is by a a wide margin the oldest slate of albums we've done usually we have you know at least one album 90s 2000s 2010s uh our newest most recent album anniversary is from 1982 so a good uh good for 40 burger right there um 40 burger 40 burger yeah it's just it's like a that's a sports term it's like Uh, he he dropped 40 points he dropped the 40 burger um, that was really that was really worth the uh, uses. We're off to a hot start, but that's okay because we. I, I, I mean, I, I'm just I I am just being very uh, critical of you. No, apparently. that's okay. <laughs> you know, that's okay. Um. Anyway, um, I I should probably preface this by saying, um, uh, one, this is our podcast, and two, uh, I kind of fucked up on some of these dates, so um, some of these aren't really exactly 50 years some of them are 51 and you know some of them are like not yet 50 and but we're just gonna go with it because um you know it's tough to find actual true information on the internet anymore (laughs) so you know the these are this is the best guess i had and uh we love all of these albums so why not just fucking talk about them (laughs) yeah i mean uh, ultimately time's a construct you know everything's made up these albums are yeah. all great. They came out at some point in the past. So, <laughs> and I mean, um, if, if you want to get into you know quantum mechanics, you know space and time are possibly emergent of a different sort of reality. So you know, um, it, we, we, we we can have that podcast episode later it, too. Exactly. That's on. Honestly, that was a hundred percent what I was going to. I'm. Say. I'm sure. I'm definitely sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, on that note, we are going to start, even though I'm, I'm uh, kind of taking the, the host role this time, I don't know much about this first album, but I will turn it over to you. It is the Allen Brothers Band, Eat a Peach, which that just kind of, I like, that just kind of rolls off the, the tongue. I like that title. Yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting album title, uh, interesting album cover as well. It, it kind of reminds me of um, of uh, the Mars Volta covers. Um, I I forget Jeff Jordan. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, who he does all the, like those really strange like like realist surrealist paintings with like you know like giant chickens and eggs and then just regular farmers trying to like farm them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, love that shit. Uh, I don't. It, it it just. Anyway, um, yeah, Eat a Peach is an Allman Brothers Band album. I think it's their second, if I remember right, but I'm not completely sure. Uh, I'm, I'm not that familiar with the band. Um, it is their technically their fourth album, if you count at Fillmore East, which is kind of like a live album. Um, so let's say third. 
But anyway, um, yeah, this is sort of the like the last um, album with uh, founder Dwayne Allman on it. I think he was, he was killed in a motorcycle crash, um, I think, before it. Um, you know, and so it's sort of, yeah, like the last album that he contributed to. It's an interesting album for sure, uh, because it, it kind of sort of shows you where they're kind of going to go in the future a little bit with like kind of like that jam sound. And, you know, the uh, the track Mountain Jam is uh, like half an hour long live cut. Um, and, you know, if, if you have the compact disc, if you have the CD version, um, it's a full half an hour as opposed to being split up on the vinyl, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, so this is... Um, I kind of want to turn it over to you because they, I, I really love this album. I really love uh, at Fillmore East, um, but um, I, I, I don't think you, you've never listened to this, right? I. So no, but I'm also trying to think if I've listened to a full Almond Brothers album, and I don't think I have. I, I mean, I've definitely listened to them before. I mean, they're they're really well known band so i'm sure yeah. one of the songs has crossed my path this is my first time diving into a full album and uh i'm going to start with the i guess my, my drawbacks first because I, I i did really enjoy this thing so i don't want that to overshadow things uh yeah. there's definitely a little little long uh yeah. and i think just the nature of uh i guess it's fair to say this is kind of jam bandy oh, yeah. in a way for yeah. sure I just because yeah, usually but, I think of but, but it's not like annoying jam band. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say because usually like you know jam band, you kind of automatically jump to. Like to me, it's like grateful like, like fish, fish. Like, yeah, great, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. And this certainly isn't that. Uh, just just uh, it, it ran a little long at times, but that said, the actual music that was here, the actual songs on display, were uh, really really great. I, I mean, I, I love the. To me, it was it was like a balance of all the things I love about you know like I don't want to stereotype but like southern genres like you know like southern rock a little yeah. bit of country like blue like those kind of genres but there was still like there's just a level of technicality there was a level of musicianship so you kind of got like the folksy you know hometown vibe that I like from those genres but there was an elevated level of musicianship you kind of got the best of both worlds. Um, mm. so I, you know, I'm kind of curious if there's a little bit of a more, um, like a, I don't want to say contained, but there's a little bit of a, a, like a shorter album in their discography because I love the music here. I would love like, a little bit of a, of a shorter taste of this because I, I, I mean, I, I love the music itself. Uh, it was, a, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, honestly, like, so I, um, I got really into at Phil Maurice, I think either last year or the year before. I can't remember now. I, I, I'm sure people can um, attest to that, that time is moving strangely over the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I so I, I got really into Phil Maurice and um, bought that. And then I think when we went to Bull Moose, I think not too long after that, I ended up buying this just blindly because I just never listened to it before. And uh, I don't think I liked it that much on first listen, but on the second and like third and, you know, 
uh, rest of them. I I really enjoyed it. Um, but that being said, so like I all I have to say is I only know really those two albums, and both of those are over an hour. Um, and it's yeah, it, it's a lot. I mean, for sure. I I think if you just took out Mountain Jam, you know, you you would have you know a basically like a forty-five minute album. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean, I I guess you could just skip over Mountain Jam if you wanted to. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but that, that that's my that maybe my favorite track. I, I like I, I I really love when they get into like a whole thing, uh, you know, and to have like a thirty three minute you know just improvised song basically is is just awesome. And and for me, you know, I just I love hearing that. Like I love hearing the way like just yeah like you said just sort of the musicianship of it, the way like just how tight they are as like a band. Um, and how they just they, they really know what everybody's doing all at once and they are able to like sort of respond in kind and just the uh the way they use uh slide guitar is, yeah. is gorgeous yeah. um you know but i mean th- there are some great you know smaller like shorter tracks uh i mean melissa is a favorite of mine uh just like that slide guitar part after the chorus is just like like just melts my heart every time I hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Blue Sky is is just like such a, like a wholesome song, you know, and they, they, there's just like this happiness about it. I don't I, I, I really love it. Um, it's but yeah, I, I mean, it, it's definitely not a uh, short listen, but I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like out of the two of us, I'm maybe the most critical of runtimes. Um, and it's weird, but this runtime really doesn't get me down that much. Like, I, I, I think maybe just because I know I'm like, okay, there is a half an hour song in this thing, you know? <laughs> like, maybe it's like that, learning that going in. Like, I know last time I listened to um, uh, Neptunian Maximalism uh, a few weeks ago, you know, I, like, I was prepared for it this time. And so, like, I, I knew what I was getting into and I just, like... Was, I I was able to kind of like deal with it a little better. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it, to me there there's two distinctions when it comes to like you know music being too long or, or runtime. This was the better of the two. The the not so good of the two is that it feels like there's a good shorter song in, or a good shorter album inside of the other album. So actually, I saw someone describe a BT Bam track as like a decent seven to nine minute song trapped inside like a 12 minute song or something like that. <laughs> like, I think that yeah. that's kind of the bad side with this. I think it just, there was so much good music. Like it just, I remember specifically, Oh man, I, I told myself I was going to remember and I mean, currently I'm not remembering. So I was obviously wrong. There was one track where I was like, fuck man, that was, that was great. And then I checked and we were like maybe halfway through the album. And I yeah. was like, Oh, I'm, it has to be mountain jam. Yeah, yeah, we were right after Mountain Jam. I was like, man, this this album's great. I can't wait to talk about it. And then I checked and I was just like, oh, wow, that's, there's a, there's yeah. a lot of music left. <laughs> so, there is, it, it is, it, it is a chunky boy. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a nice, uh, chunky boy, if I do say so. And I, I, you know, I, I always think it's kind of weird. Um, it, it, it's kind of weird to say, to criticize something for being, you know, being too like saying like oh there's too much of a 
of a good thing, especially when it's not how it's it's composed. It's just the you know kind of the the sheer amount of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I I I think that you know people. I mean, if you wanted to be fussy, I'm sure there's probably stuff you could probably cut in this thing. Um, but I mean, I, I I get what you mean. It's it's a good problem to have, but it's a problem nonetheless. You know, um, I I I just don't. I, it, it's I just think it's funny. I just don't mind it that much. And like here, it just it just kind of works. Like it just like a, after listening, after just falling in love with Fillmore East, you know, like I, I I'm kind of used to like you know sort of the time that they take up, you know. Uh, and Fillmore East is like ten minutes longer than Eat a Peach. Mm. Um, and the edition I have is actually on two discs as opposed to. Um, uh, the one uh, eat peach that I have that that's just one. Mm-hmm. So you know it, it it doesn't. I don't really think it needs to be that long, but um, I, mean, it, I don't think it needs to be two discs. But I mean, nonetheless, like I I, I just kind of like that long form jam session in this context because I think it's before like I mean I the only Almond Brothers band song I knew before I listened to Phil Maurice was Rambling Man, and I I really don't like that song. <laughs> It's, I I just it was you know, I think it's a poor introduction to the band, frankly, um, but you know uh, anyway, I just yeah, like I I I just like I'm not much of a jam band person. Um, I, I really do want to get into it a little more, um, but yeah, they I I just think that like I I think what makes. Almond Brothers, sort of like almost like an exception to the rule for me, is is sort of the way that they combine sort of that jam tendency with a lot of blues, mm. and they really they keep everything like as tight as it can be for kind of like a sprawling jam band type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, like it's, I I really feel like yeah yeah it's it's both like both Filmer and and Eat a Peach are just long, but you know I I, I feel like it could be a lot worse, like a lot lot worse so um yeah not not saying that that really justifies it but you know there you go <laughs> yeah but i mean but i i'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it though no i, I really Overall. did i'm glad uh you know they're part of a long list of you know kind of staple veteran acts that i i wanted to check out for a while and i always appreciate having a uh a regular avenue with which to to do so so yeah oh it's i it, it's really i i really really suggest getting uh i listening to at fomar east if you really like that eat a peach because i i almost think that that's the better like the better album so but anyway <laughs> well again glad we were able to talk about this uh we're gonna yeah. stay in the uh the broader folk sphere so to speak ish um and dial down the positivity quite a bit or (laughs) dial down the upbeatness quite a bit uh we were talking about the classic pink moon by nick drake um i mean this was one of those albums that it just felt like any you know cultured music fan like you know like the pitchforks of the world or when I was really getting into vinyl, like this album cover just stood out a lot. Yeah. Like I, and honestly, at first I thought it was, um, 
like a like a prog rock album. Like it just I, I could see it that. It kind of has like a little bit of a surreal vibe. Um, and at the time, I don't remember being that into folk. I mean, the main reason being, you know, I mean, I liked the idea of folk. I, I enjoyed folk music, you know, here and there. But it just felt like when you have a guy with an acoustic guitar, those kind of albums ultimately just kind of sound the same after a while. At least they did to me. And, you know, in the years since, I obviously have discovered that that can be the case. It's not always the case. And mm. the real catalyst for that discovery was Pink Moon. Just the, the things he, he, he does, the things he says with this album, um, you know, kind of the, I guess I'll say, the, the kind of technical playing, or at least the really interesting ideas that aren't just him, you know, strumming, you know, handful, mm. handful of chords and singing over them. And just kind of the, the like, he does, he does not the, the best singer in the world. I mean, I certainly don't think he's a bad singer. But just the way he, he perfectly communicates his emotions and what he's, you know, kind of the sorrow he's feeling. Um, in the years since, I've I purchased his, his first two studio albums, and I think they're, you know, all the stuff he released is good. Sometimes you discover that kind of the Hallmark classic everyone loves, you know, you understand why, you know, why it's that way, but... You know why it's regarded as such, but you, you think of the deeper cut as a little bit better. I, I think it, you know Pink Moon is far and away. Unfortunately, it was his you know his swan song before he took his own life. But it, it is I, it's just I I was I, I mean we we can talk about that in a sec. But what were you gonna say? Yeah, I was just gonna say you know even though it was the last uh, um you know kind of his, his his last statement so to speak. I mean it it, it is quite a quite a statement quite a quite a testament to his artistic ability and, and i you know it means a lot to me just because it's a great album but also because this really helped spawn my my deeper interest in, in folk and now i'm you know folk is one of my favorite favorite genres this is probably one of the genres i listen to you know one of my like main rotation styles um mm. so hey it's funny i don't really like a lot of folk or even have a lot of folk, but this is one of the few albums that I do have, and uh, I don't listen to it all the time. But I mean, it is nonetheless, you know, a great album. Um, it's definitely not something I can listen to all the time. Uh, no, not to, I, I, though. I will say that, like, I I don't really think it's as sorrowful, like you know, and like somber as a lot of people make it out to be. Um, I, I th- there are. I think. Sorry. I think context is yeah. one of those cases where context helps. Like I think just knowing what happened um, helps. Kind of through through that lens, it adds an air, extra layer of meaning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I guess I just you know I I think well I think you know there there are people who are like oh yeah Pink Moon is such a sad song and I'm like yeah you know it's it's definitely not like you know a uh, hop skip and a jump you know clicking your heels together sort of song. But, uh, like, I don't place to be is, like, one of those, like, you know, songs that, like, catches me off guard every time. That I'm just like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like, because it, it just kind of, like, just, I don't like, that's, that's a sad song to me. You know, like, some of these are, like, a little sadder than others. Some of them are just more folk, which I, I, I don't know. To me, folk always has kind of, like, a sad quality to it. So... Maybe that's why. Maybe I'm just kind of like numb as a result. I don't know. <laughs> um, 
But um, I, n not to dwell on this for too long, but I was looking into it, and it looks like there's a possibility that he actually didn't like purposefully kill him, like he kill himself. Um, his family thinks like because it, apparently it was it was like uh, from an overdose of antidepressants. Um, and his his parents don't really think that he did it, like. But I, I again, I I'm not I, I I don't really think it's um. I I, I think it might be, sort of, st stretching the bounds of, the topic of this podcast. To um, to kind of dwell on this for too long, because I, I I think it's I mean, for one thing, it's you know, in the past now, but um. You know, we, we don't really, we weren't really in his mind, you know, and I mean, he definitely had, you know, a lot of struggles with depression, you know, for sure, like undoubtedly. So, you know, I, I, I just, yeah, I, I don't know why I'm, I'm getting all technical about this. It was just like when I was reading, because I, the story I had heard was that he had, he finished it and brought it over to Island Records and gave it to them. And then he was like, next thing they heard he was dead basically and that's not entirely true or that which is to say not at all true that like he did drop it off in person but i think he passed away like two years after um this album came out yeah i think he had already decided he was gonna retire from music at the time i think he just became really uh you know really disillusioned with how things which is it's kind of crazy and i mean it's interesting to me the way people hear and see and consume like their own art and like their own mm. creation, because um, I mean I think that that part you know your, this is a good clarification on your part. The, you know, something that was kind of well documented was that he really was not, you know, he was you know disenchanted with his own songwriting at the time, which is is you know listening to Pink Moon all these years later. That's just crazy to me. Like I just I think it's mm. it's just such a clearly you know such an excellent. Uh, folk album that actually reminded me of you know, a quick tangent that kind of an interesting story somewhat along the same lines more or less is uh, have you ever heard what happened with uh, Jeff Buckley yeah yeah that he uh, yeah he, he accidentally drowned yeah he went you know he went swimming fully dressed in uh, I guess like a harbor in, in Tennessee and was it I thought he was for some reason I thought he was like swimming in New York but I, I could be that doesn't sound well, right I'm cheating a little bit because I, I have his Wikipedia page up just to make sure I didn't you know I didn't uh, miss any details but yeah I mean certainly it could be an accident uh, there was no sign of drugs or alcohol in the system uh, but it just that that seems like a I mean swimming fully dressed is not like a super normal thing to do yeah <laughs> so you, you never know but uh, yeah I with a lot of these it's 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 really difficult to ascertain, you know, with uh, Albert Ayler, that's another one that people, like, aren't totally sure, because, you know, he definitely had his struggles, um, but at the same time, like, you know, the, there are there are some very opinionated, like, there, there are some very um, extreme thoughts about what happened to Albert Ayler. Mm -hmm. uh, some, like, there are some people who thought that, like, it was, like, a purposeful, like, murder, even. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, but I, 
it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of evidence for that. Mm. Like it's it, it's kind of like um, I don't know if you've ever seen that. There's this documentary on um, on it, it it's not on The Shining, but it's about The Shining, and it's like these fans who have these huge conspiracy theories that are tied to The Shining, and like they go through like every single frame and you know basically point and say, hey, this is this is Kubrick saying. Like that, the moon landing is super fake, or you know mm-hmm. this this sort of shit. Um, so it, it, you know sometimes some of that stuff can be you can definitely overanalyze things. But I, I, all this to say is that you know it's it's a shame that you know people like Nick Drake and you know people like Jeff Buckley and Albert Ayler you know have to feel like this. Um, you know, and I think for Nick Drake, you know, just to sort of have that thought about your own work. And I mean, it's difficult. It's a difficult line to, to tread because, you know, you're, you're, you're constantly, you know, never really sure of yourself. Um, and you know, usually the best way to get a second opinion is literally asking someone else. But if the people close to you, you know, don't have your best interest or aren't being honest, like, you know, how do you know? You know, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult. So Yeah, um, for sure. And I, and I think, I mean, I don't want to say it, it makes sense. I don't want to, like, diminish those yeah. kind of experiences. But I think, you know, art's a great way to express what's difficult to express with words. Yes. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense why uh, there's significant overlap between, you know, kind of different levels of mental illness and, and artistic expression. I think that, that makes a a lot of uh, a lot of sense. Yeah, I I'm totally on board there. I mean, I think it's not. I mean, not to get too much on a on a on a thing right now. So I'll just keep it brief and just say that like I I I think in some ways art, you know, just even the act of making it is a very like cathartic and like very healing process. Mm-hmm. And I think for some people like it that's how that works i think for other people sometimes it's you know more therapy that doesn't exactly pan out to anything you know um or at least in their minds but you know it's still like you're still working through a lot of stuff i mean because you know you're 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 taking your insides and you're just splaying them for for the world to see you know yeah that's a, it, it's, it's yeah it, well it's, it's just it's so like you know, even even like the most like bland corporate album, you know, has some layer of soul to it. You know, mm-hmm. it it might not be much uh, on the surface, but I mean, it's there because uh, because someone made it at the end of the day. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So I I guess do you want to um move on from from this? Yeah, to, uh, was, I, I couldn't think of like a I couldn't think of a way to. Oh wait! Oh no! I I I I can I can I can do one. Um, you know, we we can we can come together in in unity. And and talk about this next album. Yes, which is, is not easy to describe in black and white terms. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, if you hadn't guessed already, which honestly I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't guess from based on that, that segue. But, uh, yeah, that, that was yeah. Uh, <laughs> black unity. Pharaoh Sanders. Uh, this was I've often talked about my very 
bizarre experience with Pharaoh Sanders <laughs> where it feels like every other album like I almost like after I buy a Pharaoh Sanders album that I'm impressed with I almost look for one that the next one that doesn't seem interesting just so I can get out of the way it feels <laughs> like it's like a oh wow this is amazing and then oh wow that fucking sucks um, <laughs> but this is uh, not only does not suck at all uh, it might be my favorite if, if I mean it's kind of hard because when when Okay, he's one of those art. Like there are some artists that are, you know, kind of consistent throughout. You know, you know, really haven't released a terrible album. Some who kind of have that one dud here and there, and then there are some where like the highs are high and man, the lows are low. Uh, so you know, Pharaoh Sanders' lows are basically like, you know, bargain bin like new age music, which is kind of shocking to think about. Because the highs in his career are just some absolutely exceptional spiritual jazz, you know, avant-garde jazz, free jazz, with a you know kind of a world, you know. Um, but the Wikipedia says ethno jazz, which just sounds derogatory. Like I know, like technically, it's ag- what? What? Where does it say that on Wikipedia? The Wikipedia, like under like his bio, it says ethno jazz, which that's that's not the first time I've seen that before. Oh um, yeah, that's that's like which I'm like I guess like you know ethnic jazz, but that just sounds bad to say. So we're gonna pretend <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, yeah, I, I mean not all, but I mean also like isn't I mean if, if you want to use that term, isn't jazz already like inherently eth- ethnic? I don't know. It just seems kind of redundant in some respects. It does, which is why we're, <laughs> we're gonna move on. Yeah, we're, we're, we're um, gonna we're gonna move on. <laughs> but man, like some of his, I mean, I, I have a lot of. Uh, you know, obviously, Karma is is really popular, really critically acclaimed. Uh, Deaf, Dumb, and Blind is amazing. Uh, obviously, Black Unity, uh, uh, Tembi or uh, Thembi. Um, one that I really, really want to buy is um, uh, Loving Us All because of uh, the fact Floating Point shouted that out. Oh, said he would play. Yeah. He would play it at clubs and people would dance with it, which is one of the most amazing things I've ever heard said about this, like a free jazz or a spiritual jazz album. But you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to tell someone that they what they they did or did not experience what they did experience. Um, but what I will say is, I mean, his approach to jazz is not necessarily accessible to all. I mean, I don't know if I would give this to someone saying, hey, you know, like, I, I like some, you know, um, <laughs> I like some some nice, you know, beeps and boops you, you, here. You, you like some nice ethno jazz. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, I, 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 I like some nice, you know, like Miles Davis, whatever. Like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. L- listen to this 30-minute, you know, kind of frequently intense, you know, spiritual jazz track. Uh, and and that, that's what I love most about Black Unity is. I feel like it capitalizes on kind of the best compositional um, aspect of Pharaoh Sanders' songwriting, where he just. And I'm glad I have this on CD because I think it would not have nearly the same impact if I had it on vinyl. Um, just the way that this track builds and then releases and ebbs and flows Mm. it's just it's an amazing experience just kind of and i know spiritual jazz like you know we kind of all understand avant-garde jazz it's weird free jazz it's kind of it's kind of you know 
liberated and, and noisy, like stuff like that. I feel like with spiritual jazz, there's just a... It's not like... It doesn't have like a religious undertone. It just has like a really... It just it feels spiritual, which is, is it's really bad to define your definition with the word. Um, but it just it's 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 hard to explain. Like when when it's done really really well, it just has like a different aura to it. It just has like a just a, a like an energy that runs through it, and I, it's just such a great. I remember buying this. We it was actually a family trip. We went to Portsmouth, and of course we stopped in Portsmouth Bull Moose. Um, and my dad every five minutes was like, "You done? You done?" <laughs> and I just I was like, well, "One more time." And like I'd gotten in the habit of. Uh, just checking like Pharaoh Sand. Like I have a few artists off the top of my head. I always check, and they had a, a used copy of Black Unity for like relatively cheap, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like I I gotta buy this. And then my dad was like, "Don't swear. That's rude." Uh, but then <laughs> they, uh, anyway, uh, I remember listening to this just at home, and it's one of the uh, this is one of the best like deep listening experiences I've had, where mm. I, I just put it on, and you know, I kind of. I don't know why. Maybe maybe it was it was the the stars aligning. You know, fate sh- shone brightly upon me. But I was like, you know what? I want to just sit down and listen to this thing. And I am really glad I did, because I mean, this continues to be one of my favorite Sanders albums. You know, one of my favorite, um, I guess, avant garde. I mean, I think this is labeled as avant garde jazz. I don't. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with this not being like as zany as you might think from an avant-garde jazz record i understand why people might label it as that to me this is just really liberated spiritual jazz and it's a damn fine example of, of the genre at its best yeah but for sure yeah i mean so I, I, honestly I, I didn't mean for that to be such like a, a monologue so <laughs> you, you, no no <laughs> it, it, it's okay because you, you basically like said everything that i was thinking you know, essentially, I mean, I la- the last time I had this on, you know, before listening to it for this episode, um, I did like a deep listening. Like I just sat there and tried to like listen to it, like with my eyes closed and everything. And it's uh, it's an experience for sure. But it- it's funny each time I listen to it, I I notice a little more, and like I really didn't notice a lot of the you know like um, sort of the range of percussion that's being used, mm. you know, in sort of the you know the more um, I guess non-Western uh, musical ideas that are sort of coming into play with it. Um, you know, I didn't really notice them because I'm, I'm. When it comes to free jazz, like I, I'm definitely kind of shallow sometimes. Like I, I tend to like focus on like you know the saxophonist, you know, and just like all the screeching and like the extended techniques, which. I, I guess knowing that I like noise music is is not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, to take in the whole breadth of the composition is, is really, really cool. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, there's really not much I can add. I, I think this is just a fantastic album too. I really wish I had more Ferris Enders. I only have this and, uh, Karma and, and Promises, but that, I don't consider that like a Ferris Sanders album. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Also, uh, I, I guess before um, we kind of close up with this, I, I have to ask. I, I well, I I will note that um, for the longest time, the album cover. I always thought that Ferris Sanders was wearing like a um, something akin to like sort of like a Spanish hat, um, but I think he's wearing 
like more like um like something close to like almost like a turban i think i, I mean i'm not it's it's not like a full turban I, I don't know i i'm still trying to figure out this hat i'm trying to figure uh yeah i always i, I had that thought too i'm actually yeah. now i'm looking at it Wait, that's a big big turban well see i i don't know if it's a turban or not but i mean it's like it, it definitely has like more um it has more heft to it than like like a simple like flat brimmed hat that like like i i, I thought he kind of had like a stevie ray vaughn hat but like w- without like all like the doodads hanging down <laughs> Um, I could see that. I mean, it's a little bit, you know, it's, it's obviously obscured by shadows. Um, yeah. It, it, it's a great album cover as well. Yeah, I don't, for it, sure. It, it, it just, like, it's very, it's very simple. It just gets to it, the point. Um, it, it, you know, it kind of makes you wonder what's in it. Like, I, I remember this, like, this album and uh, Archie Shep's The Way Ahead, I think, I think that's the album title, like, both kind of stick in my mind because those were like some free jazz albums that I really got into um, at the same time, and uh, they kind of I think they're both on impulse, but they they for some reason like like I, I just put the two covers together even though they're nothing alike, <laughs> just like they, they they just feel like twins in my head now. <laughs> um, they I, which I mean do you have you ever listened to any Archie Shep? Um, I not actively. Yeah, because I, I I feel like I mean I I really should listen to Archie Shep more, but I mean he he's great as he's great as well. You know, the I I always think of that um that saying that Albert Ayler had it was like you know um that Coltrane you know it's, it's Coltrane's the father, Pharaoh's the son, and on the Holy Ghost. Oh yeah, 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 and it's like like great line, but like there are more. Than just you guys when it came to like this free jazz scene, like for sure. Um, also, not. I feel like when you refer to yourself like that, it's a little. It's just you have to kind of just take a, a salt shaker with you, like you're, <laughs> like you're you're comparing your you're like, you know, like you, you know, uh, you heard of Bill Burr? Yeah, he's a big rant about Steve Jobs. And like what, like what, like he had, like there's a few things he criticizes him for. One of the things he said is like the way he positioned himself was like super pretentious. Like he'd be like, you know, Jesus, Gandhi, me, <laughs> like you know, like John Lennon, you know, whatever. Yeah, the, this the, guy, the, the Beatles, the Pope, me. Yeah, exactly. He was just like, <laughs> like I feel like it's a little, it's a little yeah. eyebrow raising. Um, yeah, I mean, I see knowing Ayler, I. Just, I, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> no, it's just that it's not. It's, just, it doesn't surprise me at all. But uh. yeah, like I, I guess it's like you know, like whenever I hear something from, you know, whenever I read Naylor quote, I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's 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 like I, I guess it's like you know, he doesn't need the salt shaker because I already take it with me whenever I read anything. Like I'll read something of his and just automatically reach for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. All that to say is, uh, Black Unity, good. Um, <laughs> Napster, bad. Money, good. <laughs> Black Black Unity is good, too. Uh, <laughs> it is, indeed. And, and I yeah. really recommend 
you're into spiritual jazz or, or you know free jazz it, or anything like that yeah it's it, it's pretty um i i mean on the whole it's definitely tamer than like it's karma not, yeah, like it's not I, too crazy yeah like it i think it's a little more approachable than than karma um you know in like something like coltrane's meditations which is or even like ascension you know like I feel like those albums are a little more difficult to get in because it's just like you're being like pile drive like with with like sound sometimes whereas like they, they this kind of like eases you into it and you've definitely got like this droning I, I I don't know exactly what that is um that makes that that droning oh you know I well I was gonna say um yeah I don't I don't totally know what it is but it it's super cool but anyway <laughs> And, I, and now, now I just have that that riff from the track stuck in my ear. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> don't don't you know exactly what I'm what I'm talking about now? Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> because I did such a good impression. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. I I need. I think we need to move on before I say something really stupid. <laughs> Speaking of really long compositions, uh, that... <laughs> let's talk about really short ones. Yeah, are we? I mean, are are? Oh, right, right. Okay, sorry. I, I for some reason I I thought we only had four albums, but I I did not. I forgot about this this one in the middle. But I did listen to it. Oh, okay. So. I was gonna say yeah. like I I don't know if I could say it twenty minutes short. Um, yeah. But yeah, we have Zeit. By Tangerine Dream, uh, yes. which is one of many discoveries I can attribute to the melon himself. Uh, I, th- I think <laughs> P- Professor Honeydew. It was yeah, yeah. This was one of uh, this might have been the first classic review that Fantano did. It was certainly one of the first, and I mean his description was captivating. But to me, it was just wow. That album cover looks fucking sick. I want to check that yeah. out. Have you seen the alternate cover for it? No, the, the the reissue. I'm gonna Google that right now. Yeah, it, it, it's on Wikipedia. Look, look it up. But um, I mean, yeah, just to say this is uh, Zeit by Tangerine Dream. This is their third album, and uh, kind of before they got, you know, kind of to what is considered like their quote unquote classic sound. That's you know more under what people would call like progressive electronic or like cosmiche music. Um, so like as a result, you have a lot of acoustic instrumentation, and uh, you know, more. It feels more like more of like a droning element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say like, it, but I, I think there's some really cool um, ideas going on here. I mean, you know, a lot of people consider this to be like the first dark ambient album. Oh, I, yeah, um, I can definitely see that. Yeah. But which I mean, I, I honestly like li- listening to Birth of the Liquid Pleiades is like, yeah, I can definitely see that. <laughs> um, but th- there's some really interesting, you know, uh, there's an interesting lineup going on, you know, aside from, you know, Edgar Fries or, uh, you know, sort of running everything. But uh, Florian Frick from uh, Popol Vuh is um, plays uh, the Moog synthesizer on this thing. Uh, or at least on uh, the first track, "Birth of Liquid Pleiades." Mm-hmm. Um, but it, did did you did you see the album cover? By the way, the, yeah, the I like that. Oh, well, I was gonna say like I, I like the original much more. I do like the original more, but uh, I, yeah. I like that because sometimes, um, 
Sometimes the alternate... I feel like... Oftentimes the alternate is either much better or much worse than the original. Um, yes. So sorry, sorry Which, like a, a quick tangent. Um, the new Weekend album? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is... Okay, I guess. It's just him ageified. There are two alternate covers that are much, much better. One is like a retro 80s sunrise. The other is like a retro 80s like robot woman. Uh, I mean, <laughs> neither one is like fantastic, but they're both like leagues better than the original in my opinion uh, i'm gonna have to look this up oh okay yeah i i know what you're talking about um they they, they do look a little cooler for sure yeah like, like um, definitely not, not the, one of the some best covers i've ever seen but like i feel like speaking of, uh, of of bad alternate covers though tangerine dream actually has a pretty bad one in uh phaedra oh really yeah wow, i gotta click through real quick yeah i mean if, if you want uh you know we can Maybe we can actually talk about Zeit, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I feel like uh, you know there is a lot of oh, it's it's a much more minimal album in some cases. Like there isn't as much movement as you get in something like Rubicon, which is uh, probably my favorite Tangerine Dream album. Um, but you know Rubicon or Phaedra or you know I, I, you would you would know their their work better than I do because you have like. How many Tangerine Dream albums? Uh, quite a few. Let me. Yeah, I have a lot, and I actually but, forgot re-listening to Zeit uh, just because that was my gateway point. You know, I was like, "Oh, like this really? is this is so uh, like to me it, it was so foreign in a way. Like I don't think I had dove into." like Kraut Rock or, or you know Ambient or like these kind of long to me like even at the time 10 minutes was like a super long composition so to go all the way up to 20 was kind of crazy but yeah I mean I definitely have grown to appreciate some of the more electronic records more uh, there actually is a uh, um uh, fuck, what is it? A oh, Black Mirror. Like, the Black Mirror movie, like, the soundtrack oh. soundtrack for Phaedra, it's either Phaedra or Rubicon, plays a big role, and the way that, you know, it, it it sounded just as fresh as if it was, like, as if it was, like, a new ambient release. Like, it sounded so time timeless. I, I mean, just side note, I, I really need to just get my shit together and just fucking watch Black Mirror. <laughs> because, like, I mean, I love Philip K. Dick, and like all of like this weird reality bending science fiction and like that just seems like the perfect thing for me to watch i mean speaking of highs being high and lows being low uh (laughs) yeah like the the episodes of black mirror that are good are great and the ones that are not uh yeah yikes (laughs) um yeah i mean i i'm still like i i just need to do it already i i just need to i just need to do it i need to just binge watch i need to take like a week off from like everything else in my life and just and just watch every episode of black mirror <laughs> um but yeah i mean i i can definitely see how y- they would use a tangerine dream album in um black mirror episode because it, it definitely has that very otherworldly feel even before they started using synths more like you just this album itself is just so like it it feels like you're kind of like in the depths of space just alone yeah like there's like there's this 
I mean, I, I hate using the word darkness because, oh, dark ambient, ha, ha, ha. But, like, I mean, it's it's this very, like, you know, this this sense of void, almost. Um, and, like, just, I mean, I, I always, like, just Birth of the Liquid Pleiades is just so mind-bending to me. Like, hearing the cello come in and then hearing, like, that synthesizer kind of, like, come up in the mix it's just like oh like just in like that I, I think it's just a minor second that it just goes off of it is just so like the, there's just like this creepiness to it but not like a uh not like not not like a horror movie creepiness but more like sort of the creepiness in that you know kind of like a carl sagan you know pale blue dot sort of thing that like we are completely alone in the fucking universe you know like this existential dread um it's it's such an amazing amazing listen um yeah yeah just, for sure. i love this album for sure and it, it's unique in the sense that um you know that they went into a decidedly more progressive electronic angle which which very much took on you know became a genre onto itself afterward whereas yeah. you know site definitely but you know like you said, much more analog. I was actually stuck because I haven't listened to this for a while. I, I I forgot just how, just how analog it is. Um, yeah, I mean they 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 really didn't embrace the the synthesizer for you know a few more albums. Um, like I think people, I think it's like Phaedra is considered like their first, because they they started using like sequencers basically. Um, but yeah, I mean I I. Like I, I love the ones. I mean, I have Phaedra, Rubicon, and, and Zeit, and I love them all a lot. But uh, I, mean, I think I still love Rubicon the most. Um, because it's just like it, it feels like Zeit and Rubicon are like, sort of, like two sides of the same coin. In a way, like, mm. like Rubicon has like this this, like lightness to it. Like it feels like you've actually found life in space, and and like Zeit is a kind of like the scary search to finding that life. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just yeah, I, I I love this thing. It was really cool to listen to this. I mean, I I actually had it on not too long ago before we even talked about doing this for for this episode. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it's really worth a listen if you haven't. Um, you know, if you haven't dove in before, I mean, there are so many albums. I think if you're looking for a darker, maybe a little bit more, I don't want to say rock oriented, but you know, I think analog is probably a better way to put it. Uh, I actually, I do have a ton yeah. of, uh, I have uh, Alpha Centauri, Zite, Atem, Cyclone, Force Majeure, Phaedra, <laughs> Stratosphere, <laughs> Tengram. Uh, I got really into, like, I wanted to collect as many as possible until I realized that that's kind of like. Yeah, yeah. Th- there, there's like over a hundred albums, I think. I really want. I think I just haven't been able to find like a affordable copy of uh, Rubicon, but that's definitely definitely on the oh, list. Oh, really? Because it's really easy to find. Or, are you talking about on vinyl or? No, I think uh, I'm gonna just abandon. I could probably find it if I if I look now. You could definitely find it on Discogs for pretty cheap, honestly. All right. Well, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna jump on that now. Because that, that that that's like. That's still my favorite Tangerine Dream. Mm-hmm. Like I love, I love the beginning of Rubicon. Like it's so good. Um, but anyway, I I feel like we're we're just kind of like, 
you know, getting a little masturbatory over this. Uh, yeah. Over this, so maybe it's time to to move on and, and maybe get even worse. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. <laughs> with this next one. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should just take this one away and and, uh, and I'll and I'll shut up for everybody's sake. <laughs> no, I mean this is definitely uh, on the track length, pers- you know, perspective, night and day because we are talking yeah. about a hardcore punk uh, staple, and again, hardcore punk, uh, pretty, pretty far removed from the world of dark ambient. Uh, Bad Brains, self-titled album. This was, uh, you know. One of the more sell. I mean, I feel like this is. I feel like this is a pretty solid top. I'm trying to decide between five and ten, but this is a this is definitely a you know all time hardcore punk album. Uh, this is like an all time album for me. Like there was, I, I mean it, it it might honestly like, I, I I hate saying oh this is my favorite album of all time because I feel like these sort of things change. But, like, right now, in this point, so Monday, February 28th, 2022, I would probably go either Bad Brains or The Queen is Dead by the Smiths for, like, my favorite album of all time. Wow. Like, I I, I love I love the first Bad Brains album. Like, I, I wore out my t-shirt uh, of it. You know, it's just completely unusable now. <laughs> like, just full of holes and everything. Like, I just... I love just everything about this album, and and it's I think it's just funny because I don't like reggae that much, um, and this was an album that I really fucking hated at first. <laughs> See, th- th- that's the interesting thing because, I mean, obviously, I, I think the hardcore punk speaks for itself. I mean, the one thing I will say about it is, th- this does not line up. Uh, I think time wise, it might line up. Certainly not geography wise. This reminds me, or this feels like it, it could have been an inspiration for like early black metal, uh, just like the intensity. Like it, I can see that. It reminds me of like early Bathory records. Uh, again, does not make any sense from a geography perspective. Washington. I, I mean, you know, I, I I think maybe it'd be more accurate to kind of say that like Venom was inspired by Bad Brains or like hardcore punk. Yeah, I don't know if that. But I, just to me, like it always. But, but I don't I don't even know if that timeline makes yeah. sense either. But like just the specific the the guitar tone, the pace, it just really reminds mm. me of uh, um, of Bathory's first record. But uh, I don't know if you know this, but Washington D.C. and Europe are uh, pretty far apart. Um, so I don't think they are. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, they. There goes my plan to jump the border. Yeah, <laughs> but in any case, um, so I think it speaks for itself. I mean, this is just you know peak, excellent, you know, fantastic hardcore punk. Uh, on the flip side, I feel like I don't want to say this is a gateway into reggae because I. You know, have listened to it many times and have not since been inspired to listen to reggae. Um, but I feel like I like the idea of reggae and like the vibe it gives off. But it's always just the logical, you know, kind of the way it's drawn out to its logical mm. extent. Where I'm just like, okay, I, I, you know, short of you know, short of being I, high myself, I do not enjoy this. But I really like the kind of spare elements they put. I mean, it's just it's kind of a unique. It's just it makes them really unique, and I I think it's I mean not that I've listened to a ton of reggae, but I think it's well done. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I well I I you know I wonder like whether why reggae is so kind of turns some people off, 
like I, I wonder if it's because of just the elements that make it up are just so pronounced that it it feels like it falls into parody very quickly almost yeah uh, I, like kind of you know, just because you know like the guitar is like always on like the two and the four or it, or is the one and the three I, I never know that I don't know music theory guys <laughs> yeah it really does um, feel like it just I mean I, maybe this is is culturally insensitive but it just it fe- that's a great way to start a sentence uh, but it, it just feels like <laughs> they, 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 whatever you say will definitely work I out know, well exactly. <laughs> but like I feel like it just sounds like the stereotype of the people like you know that you know stoners listen to reggae like I feel it's one of those genres yeah. that just you listen to it and it just sounds like it just sounds well, like the stereotype and and I guess the, the reason that's not great is because it just kind of everything sounds very very similar um, I, I, I think part of the reason I, I, I feel like the stoner connotation with it is more because, you know, marijuana has a big relationship with like Rastafarianism. Yeah, no, for, for sure. Um, um, or at least I, I, I think that's true. Um, you know, I, I, I like I, I, at least Bob Marley anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and, and anyway. that's the thing is, you know, like the, the, the white kids, you know, the handful of white kids who went to, uh, high school with who yeah. wearing Bob Marley shirts and it's like okay dude like I feel like like it, it's more because of like you, you listen to a lot of reggae but is it, are you really like you know are you enjoying the kind of same sober... also but, but but by the way uh, I, I did look it up and, and it is uh, a big ritual of Rastafari is 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 marijuana use so nice there we go <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm safe I can say whatever I want now <laughs> that's how it works uh but but yeah no i i yeah th- those like definitely like those kind of stoners give reggae kind of a bad name and you know but, but it's I, I think it's just like they're so like it it's it, it's like um i'm trying to think of like a, a good musical example that would that would kind of sort of show what i'm i'm talking about just sort of th- this idea that they're so like like i guess the characteristics of reggae are so characteristic that it's it, it, like I I think it's just it, it you get to the heart of it really quickly and I think you get to like I I think it can be really easy to kind of do it in injustice very easily because it's just so so noticeable you know just just kind of like that that off kilter rhythm and everything mm-hmm. um, yeah. But I mean, I, I, all this to say is, you know, the way Bad Brains um, works with, you know, reggae and and works it into punk, um, or at least because that's the thing is they, they really don't. It's not like they're doing like a, um, uh, what, what, what's Zeal and Ardor like? It's it's not like they're doing like a blend of the two. It's 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 like there are some tracks that are more reggae, and there. Are, yeah. more tracks that are you know like th- th- there are definitely some like little interludes so like at the end of sailing on like you have like that little little ending part that has like a little bit of what you would hear later on in the track jaw calling but um for the most part you really don't hear at least in this album you know a the styles being blended per se yeah it's just it's an interesting but, uh juxtaposition like it, it's kind of yeah uh, for sure like you don't really um i mean minor threat did this uh, to an extent, on like some of the early EPs, and then the, it you know foreshadowed a little bit 
not not reggae, mind you, but like they had some slower songs. Like they they ventured beyond just like the you know sub one minute scorcher and you know yeah. did something you know. And I feel like hardcore bands because what is it? I think it's Rock for Light. That was the CD that was at the yeah at the library and. I want to know like what that album was about because it felt like it had a uh, a ton of the same songs. It did. Um, they, they, they that's a big criticism I have with early Bad Brains is that you know it's they they have like a handful of songs and like that's it, like you know so like Black Dots, Rock for Light, self titled, all kind of have the same tracks. Like they, there are some you know different ones like you know how low can a punk get? You know it's it like isn't on this album. But it is on the other ones, you know, um, which is a great track. But you know, it, it, there are definitely like these. There's a lot of overlap, um, and I don't really know why there is. Yeah, because I, 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 I remember I that I remember listening to, you know, Rock for Light a lot, and then I think that there's just a more maybe it was just it seemed more to me because I really at the time was not down with reggae, but there were more reggae tracks, and I got bored of it. So when I bought their debut. <laughs> I was like, man, like I recognize it. I recognize this song. I recognize this song. Like there were a ton of songs where I was like, is this like it's yeah, legit. Just I mean, obviously different, you know, sound quality recorded at different times, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, I understand like reusing some EP songs on like once you actually write a full length debut, but it's weird to like legit just <laughs> just like um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess in in all fairness, like this was recorded. Uh, you know, in 81, released in 82, where Rock for Light was recorded in uh, 83 and released in 83. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's it's not like there was a ton of time in between. And, like, I'm assuming that, you know, like, you're, you're, you're kind of touring that shit right after it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's... Yeah. <laughs> and, anyway, just... Oh, man. I mean, I, I just... I love this album so fucking much. I mean, Attitude is is probably my favorite hardcore punk song. Um, I I just like, you know, like really like the the first like four or five tracks uh, are just so just like face shredding in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's just funny that like I you know when I first listened to this you know I listened to Sailing on and I'm like yeah I don't like the singer. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like nope fuck that fuck that for a few years. Uh, but I, I really love HR's, you know, vocals now. You know, I, I, I there really isn't anything I, I dislike about this album. Um, I just like it. Maybe it's just because I've listened to it so many times that like, I just like I, I'm so used to the track listing that I just don't see any problem with them. But I, I really like how they have that variety. That you know, you have like, you know, sailing on attitude, regular abandoned DC, and then you're just like jaw calling. But then you know, that but but then you go to like something like I. Or, you know, I Love Jaha. Or even, like, I, I don't know if you... Like, the, the... There's kind of, like, that intro that's the last track. But then there's, like, this untitled track that I find really interesting, too. That has, like, this... I don't know, like, the, this epicness to it that I really like. Mm-hmm. That, like, you don't really hear a lot in, in like, reggae, usually. Like, it, it feels very, like... I don't know. Um, constrained, almost. Like, toned down slightly. Mm-hmm. And it has like almost like this, this menace. I, 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 this is how I've always read it. It's just like this menacing 
quality to it almost. Even though I I, I don't really think that's a very Rastafari um, ideal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a, a, in any case, yeah, really cool. Um, also, I I don't know if anybody I I would love if if somebody listens to this and knew what I was talking about. I would I would love to hear about this because uh, the song Right Brigade, the intro to that. I I swear to God, I I'm pretty sure that it was in a Target commercial like years and years ago. <laughs> I and I I I just I remember that intro, um, and and I I just I've not been able to find anything about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is yeah. wow. That's yeah. I would love I, if that was true. I I, I don't. I don't I, know. I but... I haven't seen anything. But it oh it does say that it showed up in Grand Theft Grand Theft Auto Four, so maybe it could have been that, or a target or a target commercial either way. I mean maybe it was get Grand Theft Auto Four at Target, <laughs> you know? Hey that uh, hey they, sh- shoot your friends in GTA Four. That seems <laughs> now available yeah, at Target. That seems like the most plausible, uh, <laughs> most yeah. plausible. <laughs> oh man. Well, on that uh, uh, on on that note, we should probably tie tie this you know tie this this episode up like like a nice package. Yeah. Um, albums of the week. Yes, that is what we do next. Yes. And why don't you take us away? Yes. Uh, yeah, my album of the week. I'm I'm very glad to uh, be talking about this one. This is. Um, uh, you know, actually, another favorite of mine, probably all-time favorite, is um, "Year Zero by Nine Inch Nails. Hey. Yeah, I uh, I had it on the car for the past few weeks. And I finally got you know, because I I don't really leave the house uh, a ton, <laughs> so um, uh, I I was out the other day and I had it on and I'm like, I like I forgot how much I love this album. Mm. Um, yeah, really, just fun. Not, not fun per se, but just a very enjoyable listen for me. Um, I love the way Trent Reznor creates like these grooves in this album in particular because like with other other albums before this, like it felt like you know it was more I don't know I like almost like industrial as opposed to like electronic. Um, like the, there just seems to be like this like I don't know whether it's you know um, Atticus Ross you know, being more involved or, you know, having a, a number of different collaborators show up on later albums. But they're, like, the beats that he kind of brings in have, like, this, this really cool rhythmic quality that, like, always, always excites me whenever I hear it. Like, just, you know, some of them are really, really, like, particular. You know, I mean, The Great Destroyer is, is just such a great track. Mm-hmm. And, like, I... I love that drum beat. Like, it's just so iconic to me. Like, and and I feel like not a lot of people talk about uh, that track. Not a lot of people talk about Year Zero, really, in my opinion. Like, I think everybody feel it feels like everybody kind of blows like their like Nine Inch Nails load on like <laughs> Downward Spiral, which I, I know I'm I'm so sorry I just said that, but <laughs> um, what a what a lovely I, I, visual. I know, I know. I, well, I, I just like downward spirals. Great, okay. I'm, I'm not gonna deny that, but like, there are some, there are some other really good Nine Inch Nails albums that I think are maybe better. Like, I think the Fragile, frankly, is better than Downward Spiral, 
and I, I it's kind of a tie between Year Zero and Fragile for me. But I mean, there there are some great nationalisms that aren't downward spiral. So is is my point, and uh, Year Zero is one of them. And that is all I have to say. <laughs> well, very good. Uh, I'm <laughs> Nine load is is really gonna. I kind of wish that I'd gone first because I would love to end the episode with that. Um, I mean, but... you still can. <laughs> no, because I'm very excited to talk about um, my album of the week. Uh, recently bought a handful of this person's early stuff, and this album has been on rotation in my car for you know the whole weekend, uh, or was on rotation the whole weekend. And man, this is—it's just such a good album, and it is "Controversy" by Prince. Oh um, yeah. Man, I mean, which I, I well, I mean, you know, if you want to talk about you know blowing your load, you know, jack you off. So. Yeah, this is uh, my mom was a is a well, obviously she still is, but she, she's a huge Prince fan. She actually saw Prince, uh, live, you know, in the '80s growing up. Uh, and I was joking with her. I was, you know, I told her I was listening to the car. She's like, "Oh, cool." I'm like, "It's a pretty uh, pretty sexual album." And she's like, "Yeah, that's that's for sure." <laughs> they, 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 well, yeah, it's a Prince album. Yeah, it was funny. We were listening to the car one morning, and I were driving somewhere, and Jack Goff came on, and she was yeah. like, is he, "Is he saying what I think he's saying?" I'm like, "He sure is." You, you better believe it. Yeah, um, <laughs> but 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 don't worry, it's fine. It's it's the letter U instead of the word U. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I think every track on this was great. Uh, a Private Joy is one of my new, like probably my favorite. Prince song right now uh, it's just that's such an amazing disco cut and I mean the, the one or like you know synth pop cut and to me like what I what's crazy about one is this came out in 81 and it sounds like it sounds like such a quintessential 80s album and it came out like when the decade just barely started which I think obviously yeah. speaks to its influence but also there are I mean certainly listening to because I bought you know his uh, but you know, Dirty Mind, um, his self-titled, and I know this this came out quite a years later. Um, it's the album right after. Oh, I forget. It came out right it's after. Around, right after. Around Purple the world Rain. in a day. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah. yeah right after. Uh, it, it has a uh, Raspberry Beret. Yeah. On it. Um, but listen to these. She wore a Raspberry Beret. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, listening to like his first few albums. It's a like all of the like synth pop and synth funk out you know outfits that, that I listen to now. It's either they were directly influenced or they're influenced by someone who was in you know some kind of like Kevin Bacon style yeah. level of influence. Like it's so obvious, you know how much of a you know a footprint he has in like the like modern synth funk, modern synth pop. Like there's so many moments where I'm like, holy shit! Like I I've heard that in a Chromeo song. I've heard that in a Tori Moss song. I've heard that in a Video Age song. Like, I just... And I, I remember, like, that was actually what put the seed in my ear. And finally, like, uh, I was looking, you know, just kind of looking for to fill up my boneless car. I was like, you know what? I'll get some prints. Um, was I remember when we were talking about... Um, we were talking about Video Age. Like, we, I think we yeah. reviewed originally. We were like, wow, this reminds me so much of early prints. And, like, the only Prince albums I had heard was, you know, 1999 and Purple Rain. Which you know are both, both fantastic, both great, but like they don't necessarily like they obviously sound a little bit different from this earlier stuff. And just listening through now, I a hundred percent know where you're coming. Like I totally agree that like they they definitely listen to a few Prince records in their you know 
in their heyday before they yeah. really became a band. So just really glad yeah, I finally it, took it, the plunge. I man, I I'm really glad you enjoy it because like I, I think those are those are great albums. I mean, controversy is great. I mean, you know. Uh, Ronnie talked to Russia, you know, just yeah. any Christian, you know, uh, the title track. I, I out of curiosity, um, how was the mix on on? Because I'm assuming you got on CD. Like, how else would you listen to it in your car? Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually have a vinyl hookup in my car. I I thought so. <laughs> I, I, you know. Yeah. But I what what was? Did you find the mix to be bad or anything on yours? Um. It's something that uh, I haven't been able to unhear since I watched Fantano's review of Purple Rain, where I feel like all of his albums, I, I could use a little bit more low end, like a little bit more bass. I don't know if that's specifically what you're getting at, but that's the one thing about Prince mm-hmm. is that I feel like I feel like I would love like a little bit more, a little bit more thump, like a little bit more oomph behind, uh, you know. Behind behind what's going on, I don't know if that's yeah. what you're talking about, but no, I you know I, I think I've said this before here, but I, I actually really can't hear bass. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yep, yeah, that yes. Yeah, uh, well, it's it's not I can't hear it tomorrow. I don't notice it. Yeah, um, but it also gives me headaches, so I'm okay not listening <laughs> to it. Um, but I, all this to say, um, no, I I for some reason um, maybe maybe it could be the lack of bass, but it just it. It always felt like I needed to turn it up like way louder than it actually needed to be, because um, it felt like it was just mixed really, really low, or at least in the CD that I have. Maybe they, you know, maybe I just got like a bum CD or something. Um, but I always found like I, you know, it was really difficult to like kind of make out stuff, and I always had to just keep turning it up, um, you know, up to like, you know, I mean, like, like a normal CD in my car um, is like, you know, at like ten. And this is like at like twenty three, wow. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it, it depends. You know, there's a lot of different factors. If I'm on the highway, I'm turning it up a little louder. You know, things like that. So, you know, if if it's, I, I mean, part of it too is is like a loudness war thing as well. Like that's, that's probably the only thing that I've been able to like discern about the loudness war is, like, that I can actually like have like CDs that are on like you know five. You know, mm-hmm. in my car, if, if if they're produced after like two thousand, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but no, I, interesting, interesting, um, yeah, okay, I, I I don't I don't have anything else more to say, and uh, this is this is turning out to be a chunky boy of an episode, <laughs> so, uh, uh, do do do, do you want to say it? See so see so you. Uh... But but blow, blow, blow your nine snails load. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I thought you wanted me to say like a funny like bye. Yeah, oh, I mean, if, if you if you can do that too, if you want. Well, I. It's too late. All right, I think I think we yeah. just have to bid you adieu. Okay, thank you for listening. We'll be back <laughs> next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. 
uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.